Well, the way they pick TV shows is they make one show. That show's called a pilot. Then they show that one show to the people who pick shows. And on the strength of that one show, they decide if they want to make more shows. Some get chosen and become television programs. Some don't. Come nothing. second episode of the Pilot Season Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about just the first episode of a television show and discuss it and go through it and have some fun with it. Uh, I'm Dan. And I'm Jen. And we are here to talk about Moonlighting, the 1985 pilot that uh, the show that pretty much rocketed Bruce Willis to superstardom, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. So what? Um, I, I think like with our first episode, we kind of talked about what our individual histories were with the f- first show we did. So I guess maybe that's a good way to start this episode. So what? What do you remember about Moonlighting? Watching that, like when it first aired, or what was your experience with Moonlighting? Um. I guess one of the reasons that I was interested in the show was Bruce Willis. Um, I guess when it aired originally, I was about nine years old. And I think part of it also might have been um, that I wasn't really allowed to watch it because my bedtime was at nine o'clock. This show, I don't remember what night of the week it was on, but it was on a school night. Mm-hmm. And it was on at 9 o'clock. So I would have to go upstairs and lay in my bed while the rest of my family were downstairs watching the <laughs> show. And I could hear them very clearly laughing and enjoying the show. And um, I definitely know that I had never seen the uh, pilot prior to today. Uh, because when I was finally allowed to stay up... Um, my parents said I could stay up till 10 one night a week just to watch this show. Um, but I had obviously, obviously already missed a certain portion. So I definitely had not seen the show um, from the beginning. So today was definitely the first time um, seeing the pilot. And I, I think that um, Sybil Shepard had something of a career prior to the show, but as a nine-year-old, mm-hmm. you know, she was not on my radar <clears throat> for sure. I kind of forgot, but as we were watching the pilot and we saw um, all these pictures of her, and we we'll kind of, I guess, get to that later with the actual story and everything, um, she started off as a, a model, isn't that right? Before she became an actress, I'm pretty sure she she actually was... In the show, she was a model. Right. Um, but sounds I, familiar. I feel like we probably could have looked that up, but I feel like in real life, she started her career as sure. a model, and I think some of those pictures were quite or possibly her real her modeling real, photos. Yeah. So that that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think uh, although the, the pilot was fairly serious mm-hmm. um, as far as the story went, I think there's a a lot of comedy to the show and that's a main one of the main reasons why 
I was um, a fan of the show all those years ago. Mm-hmm. I feel like I was kind of in the same boat where I didn't really have a like a good feeling for what it was. Um, I, I, I didn't watch it from the beginning. I know that a couple of my friends in school watched it and talked about it every week. And I think my parents watched it. But, again, I had no concept really of what it was. And then... I think there's a certain, like like these days, we are very conscious of shows and their seasons and, you know, when they take their winter breaks and, you know what I mean, there, there's a lot more uh, awareness of TV shows as far as how it works. I, you know, growing up, and I, I think a lot of people were, you know, like you have no concept of pilots and how many seasons are in a you know what season it's in um you know because there are some shows that you you think have been on forever and you see they've only been on a couple of seasons or some that have gone on for like 10 seasons and i guess my point is that you know i just had no no awareness of this show at all and you know i i just jumped into it i just started watching it and it was to me. It was like no other show I had watched before because it was, it was a you know a, like a crime show or not a crime show but like a mystery show every week, which I was always into. I was, I was always into like crime and mystery shows, but it was also funny. But there was no laugh track, so it, that was almost a little alien to me. You know, like the idea of a, a comedy without a laugh track because you're used to like sitcoms. And the laugh track, or filmed in front of a live studio audience, the the writing was so smart, and the the delivery by Bruce Willis and Sybil right. Shepherd, and uh, even the the woman who played the the secretary or the receptionist, um, mm-hmm. they're just you know they, they just worked so well off each other. It was like nothing I had ever seen before, and. Um, I think there were some episodes where they kind of, they even did some experimentation. Where they like they broke the third wall, the fourth wall, where they would like turn to the camera and oh, really? say stuff. And yeah, they they did some of that. They they did some they, of breaking of the fourth wall. They also you know they they did a lot of experimentation with that show, which was which was kind of neat. Like I think I told you that they had an episode where it was they basically retold Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't remember why they did that, like in the context of the show, why they chose to do that. But that was like one of my favorite episodes because it was Bruce Willis basically being David Addison in a Shakespeare, you know, a Shakespearean mm-hmm. story or Shakespearean play. Um, so that it was just one of those shows that was just unlike. You know other shows of that time, and and I know I also told you this, but I guess <laughs> I'll I'll repeat it for the for the show. Um, you know, in school we had a, a a school project in one of my English classes where we had to they were teaching us letter writing, and we had to practice and write to you know send an actual fan letter to uh, a celebrity, and uh, you know most guys were sending them to you know. 
musicians or rock stars and athletes or you know uh, whoever and I I wrote one to Bruce Willis and and, and I think I even said in the letter how much I liked the Taming of the Shrew episode and things of that sort. And I, I did get a a uh, photo back, a signed photo of him in a tuxedo, and it was like my prized possession. I think I hung it on my <laughs> I hung it on my my bulletin board at home. Um, so yeah, so I've you know I I've had a uh, a love of I guess moonlighting you know for a long time, but it's one of those shows that yeah, just forget about because, you know, Bruce Willis went from moonlighting to Die Hard, and then from there, it's just like his career just exploded. Just exploded. And moonlighting was kind of, at that point, it was an afterthought. I think people almost forget that he was in moonlighting because you never see it in syndication. Like, it's it's never been rerun. I mean, you can buy it on DVD, I'm sure, but, you know, we tried finding it on the stream, you know, the usual streaming services, and it's not available. Um, you know, fortunately, Jen found it on YouTube, and it was a surprisingly good quality video. Like it wasn't. I was impressed. Choppy. Some of I the mean, some of the junk that we have seen on YouTube, mm-hmm. I was I was very pleased at the quality of the show. Mm-hmm. You know. Some of the things that we've watched before on YouTube make it painful to make it the whole way through the episode, um, but this wasn't so bad. So it was yeah, a lucky find. It was, and it was the, the the sound quality was good. It was edited well. Um, although we did, I think we did. There was one part that mu- I don't know if it was edited poorly for YouTube or if it was edited poorly for the pilot because you know the. I did notice some editing flaws or inconsistencies during the episode, but again, I just chalked that up to being the pilot episode. I think maybe some of them had to do with the fact that we were watching it completely commercial-free, so we weren't seeing the editing where they they place a commercial and they oftentimes come back to not the exact second where they left off. Right. So I think there was maybe some of that in there and just maybe a couple poor choices. Um, I don't think it was the editing for YouTube. I think it was actually how the show was edited. Right. Um, And we could probably stand to point out that um, I think um, the show was a one-hour show. This particular, Mm -hmm. this pilot was um when it aired a two-hour episode we watched about an hour and a half um again there were no commercials in what we watched but this was a you know a a pretty lengthy um first episode and Mm -hmm. uh you know a little bit more meat to the story i think because of the time frame yeah and I, i i actually have some notes about that about the length of the episode i was surprised to see that it was a like a, basically a, a two-hour episode because I feel like that was the norm back in the day. A lot of shows would start with, you know, a, a two-hour episode. I guess the ones that were more uh, like the hour-long dramas uh, would start with a two-hour episode and then 
it would go to its regular uh, time. I I never in a million years would have thought this would have been a two hour long episode because I feel like the the premise is pretty straightforward. I mean, I, I know you have to introduce the characters and set up the story and additionally the mystery, but um, well, and I, I guess we should say the so the the basic the story is um, Maddie Hayes is a former uh, model slash um, I, I don't say I mean she was in commercials so maybe like a commercial actress right um, slash fashion model who finds in the beginning of the episode that her uh, the people she trusted with her money have run off with all of her liquid assets all she has left are a bunch of uh, businesses that she had uh, invested in that were they're all pretty much dogs including the uh, City of Angels investigative company or service that David Addison works for and she's advised to you know shut down all these companies and and uh, you know liquidate them and she meets David Addison slash Bruce Willis um, who you know they they are at odds over the you know her decision to shut down the office and of course they get into a, a mystery or you know there's a there is crime afoot and which starts the the mystery starts before you even meet the main character yeah like 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 the cold open is the the start of the mystery which i actually thought was I had to double check. I thought we were watching something else at first because it was it was I thought it was kind of dark and kind of kind of really disturbing. It was. But I shouldn't say disturbing, but it wasn't what I expected for Moonlighting. Yeah, and I think part of why I questioned to myself what we were watching was again because we were on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I kind of said to myself, well, you just saw the opening credits. You saw Bruce Willis's name and Sybil Shepherd's name. We're on the right track here. Let's just see where this is going. But yeah, the first characters that you see are not um, the main characters of the show. It's mm-hmm. you know you're they're immediately dropping you into the mystery element of the show. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe the reason it was so long is because they were trying to accomplish two things: have a mystery like they would do in typically all the episodes, but also we're meeting the two main characters for the first time and we're getting that backstory of why Maddie feels inclined to, you know, she has to go meet David because she's telling him, I'm shutting down your office. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of like a, a couple stories that were intertwined. Yeah. And, you know, and, and some of it is kind of... Uh, kind of shoehorned, kind of a little ham-fisted, but, you know, as far as how they, you know, how as far as how David and Maddie get mixed up in the the crime element or the mystery of, you know, it's not like they are hired by anybody. It's They just kind of fall into this mystery. Right. David's a detective, but mm-hmm. he was not hired for this mystery. He just sort of, they together, they sort of fell into... Mm-hmm. Yeah. This situation. Right. He's in the middle of trying to 
convince her to keep the office open when they literally stumble upon yeah so maybe we should kind of like talk a little (laughs) bit more about the mystery right it kind of opens the story opens and like you said it opens a little bit dark Mm-hmm. For sure. Just the, the camera angle where you, you could only see the feet. There was a, a, yeah. a character who was jogging and kind of being chased by another character who uh, the jogger was was called Jonathan. The other character, I don't know that we ever heard his name, but he had a mohawk and that's probably a... And bare feet. And bare feet. And that so really that wigged me, me out a little bit because yeah. here's Jonathan going on his morning jog. Everything's cool. And they keep showing these bare feet who the feet stopped and the feet turned around and now the feet are chasing him. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> this jogger is going to get killed on his morning <laughs> jog or something. It was very freaky. And so, of course, they've got this... The second character, who is barefoot, has this mohawk, and he has a certain look about him. He doesn't really look like a jogger, if right. you will. He's so just... he catches up to Jonathan, and that was a little bit creepy, too. He was kind of a little cat and mouse kind of playing with him, if you will. Yeah, jogging with him, and then and then Jonathan, the, the victim, I guess, eventually, is, you know, he would pick up his pace, and then the mohawk guy would catch up to him he would he would drop his pace he would slow down and then you know the the guy ran ahead of him but then the guy was waiting for him and so the the mohawk guy is ahead he goes into like a little tunnel jonathan turns to go into the tunnel too and this is like typical this kind of show like my mental reaction like dude really you have a whole neighborhood to go jogging in. Yeah. You could go in any direction. I get maybe this is your route. I get it. You know? But don't go in the tunnel where people can't see you and the Mohawk guy is in there yeah. and OG oh, whiz, the Mohawk guy stopped. It should just be called, you know, welcome to murder. Tunnel. Exactly. I'm like, Jonathan, you gotta run the other way, buddy. Well and, and which he does once he figures out that the, the guy is there to kill him, he actually Mohawk doesn't even kill him. He Jonathan is so afraid he runs and he's hit by a car immediately and killed. And then, you know, there's a crowd around him. The police show up like almost immediately, which was funny. Yeah, that was weird. (laughs) Which was funny. And then all you see is the Mohawk guy, you know, slither through the crowd, um, pat, pat him down, pat the jogger down, and remove what looks like his watch. And then that's kind of the end of it. You don't... And then it moves on you actually don't see that again i'd say probably for another like 15 or 20 minutes because then we get introduced to maddie and you know her problems and then david right and the the detective agency and then it goes further where um maddie's on a date that david interrupts that's when he's trying to convince her to keep the office open and that's when they stumble across the um the mohawk guy who that's who was killed and he passes the watch on to maddie puts the watch on her wrist while all the while she's arguing with him and we don't know immediately but you can kind of guess he's got a knife stuck in his back right so he topples over he's dead maddie and david now have this watch and have really no idea 
what's so important about this watch. And there are some other folks who want this watch. Yeah, well, there's there's two distinct men who are after the watch. We don't know... Well, we know the one, the older gentleman. You, you kind of figure out you, you figure out his backstory later. He hired the Mohawk guy right. to get the watch. Right. You don't... Yeah, but you don't find out why until later. Right. He just looks like a, a kind old grandpa. Yeah. Because, if, in fact, at one point... He's interrupted at his like granddaughter's birthday party. Right, just looks like an average guy, and then you're like, oh. But then no. there's the other guy who's like the businessman who I, I actually wrote. He looked. I called him uh, Evil Bob Newhart. He did kind of look like Bob Newhart with his glasses and, yeah. and the way he dressed and the way he talked. And yeah. he was he was Evil Bob Newhart and his his henchman with the uh, see through dress shirt. That was the weirdest dress shirt I've ever seen in my life. Or you could like clearly see the man's nipples. Yeah. Um, they were chasing chasing Mohawk trying to get the watch. Mohawk was on his way to meet evil grandpa. And they run into this building with these glass elevators on the outside so you can Mohawk is in one elevator and evil Bob Newhart's in the other and they're playing this the slowest game of cat and mouse ever in these elevators and it was just like these like the most like it was like the worst elevator chase ever yeah it was and and that's where like i have another note that i i thought that there were a lot of like wasted a lot of wasted scenes and a lot of places where i feel like they could have trimmed the episode, and that was one of them, the whole cha- elevator chase yeah, scene. Yeah, I, I think, like, what we saw was an hour and a half. What was, you know, on on television at the time was a two-hour time slot. They probably could have easily chopped that down to an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, you know, with the commercials in there. But, yeah, some things like the, the glass elevators where they just keep looking at each mm-hmm. other and essentially chasing each right. other up floor by floor. Yeah, we we probably could have saved some minutes there. Well, and then... Um, so, Evil Bob Newhart and um, his henchmen figure out that Maddie has the watch, and they go... They, fa- they track Maddie and David back to her house, where they proceed to threaten and or, you know... Try to shake them down. Yeah, yeah. Try and interrogate them for the information, and she's, you know, saying, "I don't have the watch. I gave it to the police." But they, he, but they continue, and then there's a like a scuffle. But then they still, the you know, evil Bob Newhart and his henchmen still manage to overpower them, and and again, you know, this keeps going and going, and the 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 threat of torture with a stove and. And she says, "I don't have it. It's at the. It's the police." And he says, um, "Well, I have friends at the police department, so I'll find out." Like he could have just said that when she first said it was at the police station. And I did kind of get to the point where I was like, "All right, Maddie, if I have to listen to you say I gave it to the police one more time, I get it. You're fighting for your life here, girl. I got you." <laughs> But it, it kind of just dragged out well, there. So yeah. again, they like, could have like they could have that avoided back. that entire scene. You know, as soon as she said, 
I gave it to the police, he could have said, oh, well, hold on, let me pick up the phone and call my contact at the police station. He could have done that from the beginning, but instead there was a whole, there was a, you know, this scuffle where um, David fought with uh, uh, Nipple Henchman and <laughs> Maddie fought with Evil Bob Newhart, but they still, you know, and, and then at the end he still just like let them go. He left. He, yeah. he said, he said, okay, I'm going to check with my contact at the police All station. All right, I'll check with the police. And, See you guys. And then he, <laughs> and then he said, if and if it's not there, I'll be back. You're like, I thought he was going to leave his henchmen there. I'm like, Evil Bob Newhart is he he might be a good businessman, but he's he's a bad criminal. Yeah. So. That was just, you know, I, I didn't have really a lot of, like, nitpicks about this episode. That was one of them. Um, I would say overall, I mean, this was a pretty a pretty solid episode, minus those things that we were just kind of joking about. But um, Yeah, I think um, not, I don't think I'm too, being too picky. Um, one thing, I don't know what, what you think about this. The evil grandpa mm-hmm. character, he just kept turning up. Like, there was no explanation for how he knew where to find Maddie and David, but he was at the pawn shop. And yeah. we, we saw him in a couple places where he just happened to be at the right place. And I don't know really think, how he was able to track them down. I think we just chalk that up to. Just evil people have their evil ways. Well, that and I, I think. We as viewers and as creators of television back in the early, like in the 70s and early and mid 80s, just let a lot of things go. Like think, things that we probably didn't even consider then, like, or question. Like, why is this happening? We are now because, um, because we're, it's like we're conditioned and I think we're used to smarter written That's television. what I was just going to say. Do you think we've become accustomed to better writing yes. and just more thoughtful Absolutely. stories and things like that? Things that are, you know, because people don't put up with things that are implausible anymore when it comes to the shows they like and the characters. And if if something doesn't make sense, boom, they're on social media, they're on their blog, they're they're tweeting. They're right. You know, they're they're live tweeting a show, and I mean, I feel like just we've evolved to become more sophisticated, both as viewers and as creators. So I, I think there's just a lot. I mean, yeah, if you watch a lot of the old, you know, just old shows in general. I mean, again, how we were talking about uh, Cheers in the last episode, the the idea of we had no concept of what time it was in the bar. Right. When in reality, everybody knows that bars open and close at a certain time. But that's just something that they gloss over. And I feel like this is another thing they just glossed over. Like, it doesn't matter how evil Grandpa kept tracking them. <laughs> he just managed to find them all the time. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, even up even up to the very end, and he was he was kind of a, a vicious 
I guess he was a, he was a German. Do you think he was like a German war criminal or something? Well, I think that was what they were implying. Implying was that the so Jonathan the jogger, his father had been a pilot. He brought these diamonds back from what World War Two, mm-hmm. and when they even when they went to speak to Jonathan's wife, well, she was just a chatty Kathy. I have to mention that she was just giving them the whole story, but she, she well, somebody said, had to. right? <laughs> she kind of gave them the story about this whole World War II pilot situation, but she said it like it was just a story. It was just a story like that a, Jonathan's father would tell, yeah, like a but tall it tale. wasn't true. But it obviously was true. So evil grandpa gave. Jonathan's father these diamonds to smuggle back to America or whatever and he's been waiting evil grandpa has been waiting for 40 years to get his hands on these diamonds because he doesn't know where they're hidden Mm -hmm. so the whole premise with this watch that the Mohawk guy had taken off of Jonathan when he got hit by the car was that there was um, latitude and longitude coordinates coordinates. in the watch David figured out what the numbers meant this is where we're going to find something, you know, that's going to be a piece of this mystery. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they have to go out on you know, very, very tall building. And, of course, um, I guess they're Jonathan's um, by trade. His father and oh, was right. also a watchmaker. A clockmaker. Clock so he probably helped make that clock. He made the watch. You know, that didn't even occur to me. Like, I just... Right, right. I didn't the even building. put two and two together that there was a giant clock on the face of this building that he probably, yeah, he was able, he would have been able to stash the diamonds there because he was probably part of the team that built that clock. Right. He made the watch with the coordinates and he helped to, when building this tall building, put this clock and in doing so hid the diamonds in there. So David and Maddie end up there. And of course, they're climbing on the outside of this building. A bajillion Which, stories up. And I had a note about that. I actually thought that the uh, surprisingly, um, surprisingly good stunt work during that scene, where like whoever was, you know, that looked like Maddie climbing up the side of the building to get to the clock, and then there's the whole thing with the ladder that's hanging off the building during the final scene between Evil Grandpa and and David. Um, I'm like, that looks really good. Like, it didn't look... Like, when you're looking down and seeing fake. the city below, oftentimes like those everything. kind of scenes look... Yeah, you're exactly right. It didn't look fake at all. Like, everything looked really good. Even... Yeah, I don't know. It was just uh, one of those things that surprised me for for that time. Right. And for a pilot episode that it really... Like, the, the stunt work really looked good. Which is something I never noticed. <laughs> so, kudos to the stunt team on that one. So, I guess we are kind of to believe at the end because they've had this somewhat successful mm-hmm. solving of a mystery kind of a thing. Um, Maddie's maybe a little bit hooked, and and so they're going to keep the detective agency yeah. open. I and mean, she kind of was fighting it all along, but. I think she kind of succumbed at the end to keep this business open. Well, and it sounded like... and I don't remember if, if they continued this theme throughout this series. Uh, maybe they did in the first season. I don't know. But the, the theme of her uh, 
her fame, them using her fame as a model or celebrity to help the business. Uh, because at the at the very end it says like they're reading the paper and it says like former model foils yeah heist heist or, or something yeah. like that yeah um, yeah well David mentions several times like mm-hmm. I want you on board keep this business open yeah, because says, your celebrity status her, her connections yeah but I yeah so th- that was interesting to me that that was something I had never um, thought was part of the show now okay so i i, sh- I should have back I, I should have mentioned this i forgot i should have mentioned this when we were first talking about our respective histories with the show i never remembered that she was a formal former model slash celebrity my my recollection of it which is completely inaccurate but i thought the show was the, the, the premise of the show was she was uh, I don't know if you know gifted or willed the agency like I thought it was I thought it was her husband who may was maybe killed or murdered or divorced and and she got by one way or another she was bequeathed with this detective agency mm-hmm. this low rent rundown detective agency that David Addison basically ran, and but I, I, I you know, the, finding out that she was actually like this supermodel and the, you know, the the business was actually um, looked like it was in a pretty nice uh, building. Right. They had company cars, and it sounded like it was more of a like maybe almost a tax shelter or something like because. You know, she points out to him at one point that you know the the company's losing money, and he said we're supposed to be losing money. Like, it wasn't even said as a joke. It was almost like when I was put into this position to run this office, I was told we we're supposed to lose money. Well, didn't you know? her accountant basically say, "Here's your list of you know eight or ten businesses that you you own." Oh, but wait, we did this so that you could use them as tax write-offs. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess they're not supposed to be successful, and so yeah, like I said, so none of that. I I knew none of that. I thought she came into the the company, like I said, it was gifted to her in some fashion. Um, I also didn't know that it had a that it, the company was also called City of Angels in the beginning of the of the series. I always thought it was called Blue Moon Investigations. And I didn't know that the name Blue Moon came from her. That, that was like I guess her first commercial. It was a commercial. It was a for commercial for Blue a shampoo. Yeah, shampoo. Shampoo called Blue Moon. I didn't know any of that because I am one hundred percent certain that I've never seen the pilot before today, and I definitely jumped in midway in the series because mm-hmm. I had a nine o'clock bedtime. So. I don't. I never questioned. It was just they're this duo that yeah. runs a detective agency. I never really questioned it. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like I, I think that's what what has changed in that our viewing habits are such that it's like we require we require an explanation as to when a show starts, why, 
why everything and who is everybody and where a lot of older shows don't have that it's just here's the first episode of this show um i don't know if we will ever get to this show in our you know during this podcast but years ago i was um i started watching the rockford files on netflix because I kind of remember that as from being from a kid, and I really liked James Garner. It might have been around the time that he passed, and I was kind of feeling nostalgic for James Garner. So I put on the you know the very first episode, and just drops you right in. Like there is no there is no premise for the Rockford Files. He's just a PI. Like there's no hook. There's no introduction of a spunky sidekick or. You know, it's just him working cases, and it's the the first episode could have easily been the twenty third episode. Like there was no, Mm -hmm. there was absolutely nothing about it that made it seem like this was the first episode of this series. So I feel like maybe you know a while ago that's how TV shows kind of operated. They just started, you know. Well. In the pilot, they've made a real attempt to give us the backstory, so maybe they were the minority. A mm-hmm. um, couple other like random things. Um, when David calls Maddie a bitch, mm-hmm. I thought to myself, were we allowed to say that on television in 1985? Because I kind of felt like you couldn't say anything, really. Well, I guess maybe but obviously that was, I was wrong, because he said it. I mean, okay, so that was on ABC. I do remember that. And I always felt like ABC, back in the day, like pushed the boundaries a little more than other networks. Plus, it was on like a later a later time slot, so maybe they could get away with it. Yeah. Because um, they actually said it... Well, he calls her a bitch, and then she refers to it later on, saying that he called her. So, I mean, technically, they said it twice. Right. The first time, but he was like calling her a bitch. Yeah. Um, yeah, that didn't even. I mean, I wouldn't say that phased me, but I was I was actually a little surprised by that. I was like, oh, that's kind of a not a very nice thing to say <laughs> to someone you don't know. But I guess maybe in his defense, she was just firing him out of nowhere. Right. Um, I guess um, a couple random or a couple notes that I had. Um, um, I was just, I, I just jotted down that I, I miss, uh, I miss funny Bruce Willis. But I thought he had some really good scenes. I mean, he just had some great lines in this episode. You he know, definitely he, did. He I always mean, had the great lines. He, um, you know, he makes you kind of, maybe not, like, laugh out loud, at least not in this episode. It was mm-hmm. a, definitely a serious episode, but, you know, I wrote down in my notes that he's just really smooth. He just always has the just, right thing to say. Yeah, and, he's just very cheeky. Yeah. And the, the um, even the, the callback to that he didn't understand the phrase, you know, there's no flies on you. Because Sybil Shepherd says that to him, there's no flies on you, and he says, "What's that mean?" And later on, when they meet the jogger's wife, and he says something, and she goes, oh, "There's no flies on you," and he just kind of says to himself, "When's someone going to explain that to me?" Yeah, you know, the, just the callback to that. Um, 
but there were you know he has you know he has the comedy chops but then there were some moments where he was deadly serious like when um I thought he was going to be more serious when he was in police interrogation but he wasn't it wasn't until he was being they were being held by evil Bob Newhart that he kind of knew what kind of men he was dealing with because you know, while Maddie was a little hysterical, he was almost calm and saying, like, he was basically saying, here's what you're probably going to do. You're going to do this. You're going to, you know, you're going to um, basically torture us. Till, you know, but he he wasn't, like, there was no, no glib remarks, no, like, he was very, you know, very serious. Mm-hmm. You know, it was almost like, yeah, like, you knew... Like he knew what was what was going to happen, um, so I thought that was I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, I kind of interpreted that as um, you know, there's more to this guy than we might yeah. see. You know, he's been running this detective agency for three years now. Okay, maybe they're not turning some crazy profit, and maybe it's because they weren't supposed to, whatever. But three years, you know, he's probably dealt with some criminals and some crazy situations, mm-hmm. and I think that they're just kind of showing us that he's, um, you know, like a street smart kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah, and he's, there are definitely some moments where he's trying to show Maddie, you know, show Maddie the ropes. Um, but I, and I, I liked. You know, going back to kind of his his smart ass his smart assness. Again, going back to when he was in the you know, being grilled by the by the police in the interrogation room. You know, he's he's cracking wise and he's you know just being a smart ass and not giving them anything. Uh, and he says, you know, he mentions he's like, do I get my one phone call or what? And they're like, yeah, the phone's right there. And he says, what do you guys want on your pizza? And and you think he's just dicking around. But then, like, five minutes later, they cut to another scene where they're walking out of the interrogation room, and they're, they're eating pizza. They're all, like, best friends. Yeah. They're all joking, they're, eating their yeah, pizza. They're eating pizza, and, and, and you, you hear the end of a conversation where David is talking to one of the cops, and he says... Well, I'll just I'll just get the album and I'll make you tape for you. You know, <laughs> I just love that. You know, that just the you know like he is just he he's charmed just, them. He, you and, know, you know, and he's just one of the guys. He's you know he he's no he's no Remington Steel. You know, he's he's like, and I think that's part of his charm is yeah, he's he's like just the the working class guy. I mean, he's got the looks and he's got the charm, but He's just a, you know, I think, you know, at the heart of it, he's just a, he's just a working class guy. Right. You know? Um, I did kind of enjoy that we had the very brief cameo from a very young Mary Hart Entertainment Tonight. I, I forgot all about her. And, um, man, like, just blast from the past. I used to love those kind of shows. But how perfect you know, um, Maddie comes out of the the police station and all the reporters are there wanting to get a statement from her and, and there's Mary Hart. And I thought that was 
that was kind of cool. Well, and it was funny that, and I, I, this doesn't really mean anything. I guess they have just changed it over the years, but the credits, you know, normally if it's someone playing themselves, it would say Mary Hart as herself. Right. And in, in the credits for this, it said Mary, Mary Hart as Mary Hart. <laughs> <laughs> I did see that. Uh, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, so I, I guess the other, um, the one thing that we always, or that we always, this is our second episode, we always do this. Um, I felt like it, I mean, I felt like it held up to today, you know, for the most part, minus those couple of storytelling things that we mentioned about Evil Grandpa uh, just showing up. Uh, I felt like the, the 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 writing was still smart and funny. Um, nothing about the pilot felt dated. You know that I mean she, Maddie used a payphone a couple of times, but <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, it was it. You know it was this was this show aired in 1985. I think it could have easily. Aired today, with just a couple just minor as tweaks. Is. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think um, I enjoyed it. I think it, for the most part, it, it holds up. Um, I would probably continue watching the series. I feel like, well, okay. So in terms of our podcast, we're only two shows in, and we watch a lot of other things, you know, on our own time. But I kind of, like, I was so excited to choose Moonlighting. But I'll tell you what, if I had to choose between our two shows that we've done so far, I'm actually a little bit more intrigued about Cheers, to be honest with you. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, in general, I would definitely watch it. I think um, the the writing is pretty solid, the interactions between Maddie and David. I think that's part of what you know, kept the show going. I think you said it did go for five seasons, yeah. but they're, the way that they interact was, you know, that was always kind of what I enjoyed. Maybe a little bit more than the fact that they were out solving a mystery, but just, you know, those, like, zingers that they would shoot at yeah. one another and things like that. Well, and it's funny that you mentioned that, because I, I thought the same thing, that, and I, I think I made a note about that, that their chemistry was just really good. In reality, Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepherd did not get along huh. on that show. So it, it, I guess it just goes to their professionalism that they were still able to maintain their, their, you know, their professional side. Like they were still able to turn it on right. when they needed to. But you know, I was reading a little bit about about the show before we. Recorded and the and I, I had forgotten that you know because when when Bruce Willis made the first Die Hard I mean he was still on this show and making Die Hard really took him away a lot so mm-hmm. they had to they could only film I think they you know they 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 would basically he would film Moonlighting during the day and Die Hard at night uh, and um, 
And then once he just became bigger, he was on the show less and less. And there were always, like, the show was just fraught with, you know, rot with delays. And, uh, you know, there were, I think, in the, in the last two seasons, I think, you know, Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepard were, were both noticeably absent for, for stretches of episodes at a time. Now, Sybil Shepard, I think she, she had a pregnancy, so that took her away. Okay. So, you know, unfortunately, like, it sounded like the show kind of suffered at the end. With his success. With with his success, with I mean, with everything, with right. with her, you know, her, uh, you know, having uh, kids, and just the just the delays in general, and uh, there was, uh, like I said, the friction between Sybil Shepherd and Bruce Willis. Oh, and I read, yeah, because the other thing was once his star began to rise, you know. Uh, astronomically he felt slighted that he was getting second billing on the show Civil Shepherd got top billing which I, I again that's one of the things you never really think about or consider who is mentioned first but I guess she got top billing then when the him. show began she was already someone and he was he was a newbie so. right he had only been on a few things and never as a leading Never in a leading role, so yeah, it, it, it's interesting that you know a show that's you know, was kind of like critically, you know, critically acclaimed and it won multiple Golden Globes and Emmys. That you know, it, it's unfortunate, I guess, that it it was you know had that level of drama probably attached to it. Mm-hmm. You know, that being said, I would. I would continue to watch it. And one of the main reasons that I would continue to watch it is because, although kind of like Cheers, where I said I really don't remember specific episodes, I don't recall specific episodes of this Mm -hmm. show. And because the pilot was so extensive, I feel like we only just got this little taste of Bruce Willis. And he was the main thing that I liked about the show. So one of probably the main reason that I would like to continue to watch it is because I know there's so much more with him, like that Mm -hmm. humor and, and just those zingers, like I said before, and he's very charismatic and he kind of, he plays the character so well. And as I watch this and I haven't seen an episode of Moonlighting in like a billion years, that's probably like 30 years. I see a little bit of, like the diehard character, like they're not the same character by any means, but just kind of some of that dry humor and things like that. And he just plays that type of character so well. I just yeah. want to see more of him, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. He, he, he carried over that the, uh, into diehard that irreverent smart ass. Right. And that, that worked really well for him in that role as John McClane. And yeah, I I agree. I, you know, I, I watched this, this pilot, and I found myself really missing this show. And again, I can only really remember one or two specific episodes, of of the series. You know, I, I don't recall a, a lot of it, but 
you know, I do remember just thoroughly enjoying it up until the point where, because there was always, I guess, the first couple of seasons, there was always this will they, won't they get together dynamic. Yeah. You know, and I think that was that was also a thing. Once they finally did get together, I think it just after that, I think the show went downhill too. And I do remember, <laughs> I actually do remember the the episode where they got together, or at least the scene where they got together, and it was it was bittersweet because, and, and on one hand you thought, ah, oh, well they finally got together, but then now you realize where well, you're going to miss that playful banter mm-hmm. because they're together now, so. Um, but yeah, I would, I mean, I would recommend anybody check this out because, uh, you know, A, it still holds up, B, you've got some, you know, vintage Bruce Willis, and it's, you know, C, it's just a, it's just a smartly written show, and D, it's on YouTube for free. Yeah, don't even have to be, you know, subscribing to any... Yeah. of the services to get this. And I didn't really go through the whole everything that's on YouTube, but just glancing at it, it looked like there were at least all of the first two seasons. Yeah, it looked like somebody took There's their time. There's a considerable time. number of episodes, yeah. if we could say that for sure. Yeah, you could see that the like the it looked like the same... Whoever put up the pilot also put up a handful of other episodes, and it looks like they're in, you know sequential order mm-hmm. which is which is cool. And if they're the same quality as the video we watched, I would definitely go back and right. you know watch another episode or two just for I mean not even to watch the entire series again because like I said I feel like after you know maybe by season 3 it's probably not as good. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure the first two seasons or first two or three seasons are excellent. But yeah, after that, I don't, I, I can't, <laughs> I, I can't, uh, can't be sure. Yeah. How good is how good it is after that. So, um, I don't know. Is there anything else? Anything um, we missed? Any anything? Any final final thoughts or parting words? I don't. I don't think so. I think. I think I kind of hit all the all the points I wanted to make. Okay. All right. Cool. So yeah. So that was a I guess another successful pilot episode that we both enjoyed and both recommended. So you should definitely check that out if you get a chance. I, again, keep in mind that it is a a solid hour and a half long. So you know, set aside some time to watch that. It's worth it though. Um, yeah. So. I guess that's it. Yeah, and so we'll be thinking about what we're going to do for the next episode. It's your turn. Yeah, it'll choose. be it'll be my pick. I I already kind of have an idea of what I'm going to pick, but I'm going to uh, investigate it a little further. This is uh, what I'm thinking of picking is something I have never seen before. Okay. As opposed to Cheers and Moonlighting, where we just couldn't really remember them. Right. This is a brand new show. And it's a more recent show. Okay. So I'll uh, 
what what I've taken do to uh, to doing is kind of posting a a preview of what we're going to be recording for the you know the following week. So probably sometime this week after I post this episode, I'll probably post a little preview of what we're doing for episode number three. So just look for that and. Uh, we're all set up now on all the social medias. If you want to check us out, we're on Twitter as Pilot Season TV, and we're on uh, Facebook as Pilot Season Podcast, and Instagram as Pilot Season Podcast. And you can, if you have any suggestions, you can email us at pilotseasonpodcast at gmail.com. And hopefully, we'll be on iTunes sometime soon. But that's that's proving to be a little problematic, but I'll be working on that. So um, that's all I've got. Same here. Looking forward to the next episode. All right. Well, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Take care.